Hello, everyone, and welcome to Post-Acute Advisor Podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in, and please be sure to check our website, postacuteadvisor.blr.com, for all your post-acute care news and information, including our future podcasts. So my name is Tammy Swartz, and I'm one of HC Pro's post-acute content specialists, and with us today is Maureen McCarthy. Maureen is the president and CEO of Celtic Consulting, which is nationally recognized as a luminary amongst long-term care operators and clinicians for reimbursement and regulatory matters, audits, analysis, enhancing operational efficiency and education, and litigation support. Maureen is also the founder and CEO of MDS Rescue, which provides interim MDS completion services across the country. Maureen is a registered nurse with over two decades of work experience, including direct patient care, MDS coordinator, director of nursing, and rehab director and Medicare biller. Welcome, Maureen. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Tammy. I'm happy to be here today. And so um, today we figured we'd talk a little bit about PDPM and the current climate. Um, We were talking a little bit before you had mentioned that uh, it, it might be worth, might be time for SNFs to take a look at how COVID has changed operations. Can you explain that to me a little bit? Yes. Well, we had really one quarter under our belt of PDPM before the pandemic hit first quarter of, 20, of 2020. Um, and so providers were sort of really just getting their feet wet, getting used to PDPM and getting some systems in place and maybe some strategies in place when COVID hit and strategies went out the window and patient care and saving lives um, took over. So uh, I think that now is the time as we're starting to hopefully come out of the pandemic. I know we're in looking at uh, surge number four, but <laughs> hopefully there's light at the end of the tunnel and folks can get you know, back to basics and, and concentrating on operations. Absolutely. And in terms of payment, it's time to figure out what the new normal will be. Is that right? That's correct. And looking at, you know, we moved to a new payment system, which will have implications on operations reimbursement and data collection, and sort of now getting back into that, where uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic had a significant impact on what was happening uh, at the facility level. And so, you know, looking at changes that they were going through, you know, first impacting having, you know, pandemic, you know, a worldwide pandemic. And what does that mean? Because most of the employees, the healthcare, you know, professionals that we've got out there now haven't been introduced to this on a global level during our lifetime. You know, we've had some uh, additional, um, you know, uh, older generations who have gone through other types of pandemics, but most folks that are actually working now haven't been through a pandemic. And so, there were a lot of changes that they needed to think about on how they uh, perform their daily activities in addition to, you know, saving people's lives. Absolutely. Just a little bit of stress, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so how did um, the pandemic impact census? Well, we had some providers that, that need, that closed their doors uh, and weren't admitting any new patients because they didn't want to infect the patients that they had in the building. So obviously that's going to have an impact to census. The other piece that happened is that, um, you know, hospitals were also discharging patients in less than the three night stay. So they were sort of moving patients through the continuum of care and discharging out to skilled nursing facilities. Some were taking uh, patients that were COVID positive and some were not. So then we needed to come up with a strategy on, well, what are we going to do now with the patients who are COVID positive if we don't have enough nursing homes um, that will take these patients? And we developed a a new sort of uh line or market, I guess, for COVID-only buildings. 
Uh, and so that had an impact on the existing facilities because now there are fewer residents that are coming to your facility because they're going to the COVID only uh, facility. So there were impacts you know, in, in many different ways. Then you had multi-room, so multi-room facilities with looking at three and four bed patient rooms where some states came back and said no more than two patients in a room. So now you're scrambling to say, okay, those other beds were taken offline now, and I also have to find a place um, to put those residents that I've already had existing in-house. And then we also had quarantining, which brought in an additional layer of uh, complication to the providers to say, when you bring anyone new in or when they come back in from the community, say you had someone that went out for dialysis and needed to come back in, they've been out in the community, they could be asymptomatic you know, COVID positive, bringing that into the facility. So you also have the quarantining piece where they were looking at where am I gonna quarantine? Where do I have room? You know, making sure that the patients were prepared for quarantine and understood it and making sure that your staff had the competencies to deal with that. So there was, it was almost like the perfect storm uh, when it came to census and occupancy and facilities and many of them still aren't back to uh, where they were pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and hanging around the, you know, 60s and 70% occupancy. So, you know, and, and then you had infection control surveys, which can also further limit by banning admissions if you didn't have, you know, a positive survey outcome. So it was almost a perfect storm for occupancy. Right. It sounds like, um, you know, skilled nursing facilities took quite a hit um, ultimately from the past year. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree, not only from an occupancy perspective, but from a social media perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, initially, the skilled nursing facilities were seen as part of the solution because you can move people through the hospital, we can take them, we can treat those patients and get them back out into the community if, if, you know, if that's part of their continuum. Um, and then we had uh, you know, some changes where um, when folks in nursing homes, which was the most vulnerable population to COVID-19, started to um, pass away from this disease, then the nursing facilities were seen as, you know, you're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if hospitals couldn't save these patients, there's no way that nursing homes could. So why did you think that we were going to be able to save patients when they couldn't even be saved at the hospital level, you know? And then we got a bad reputation because of that when we were trying to be part of the solution. Absolutely. And do you know where were many nursing homes hit with people pulling, um, attempting to, you know, pull their loved ones out? Um, we had a little bit of that, but not very much, because at that point, they mostly realized that their loved one needed that level of care. Mm -hmm. and they weren't able to supply that at home, because not only were, were we short on healthcare professionals in the nursing homes, you also had that same issue with home health. So if you were looking for staff to come into your home to help you, you were at a disadvantage there as well, because if someone tested positive and even if they were asymptomatic, they were still quarantined for two weeks. So you had fewer staff that you were dealing with to manage the pandemic in addition to everything else. Right. Lots of lots of different hits coming from, uh, you know, a lot of different reasons and areas um, definitely infecting, affecting um, reimbursement revenue. Um, how do you see, you know, PDPM rebalancing moving forward? Well, I think that, you know, when we admitted the patients during the pandemic, many of them, obviously, we talked about were isolated or quarantined on the unit. That has a much higher reimbursement um, 
for those patients that you were able to capture that for reimbursement. And if a patient, if you had more than one patient in a, in a room, then you weren't able to code that on the MDS and get the reimbursement. But if you did have the patient in a single room and you followed all the guidelines, which we all have, you know, that would increase the, the nursing component of the case mix to 2.98, which is pretty significant uh, jump there. So if, if providers got used to the revenue for the isolation mm -hmm. component, that's overstating uh, revenue. Um, other things that I think happened or were the impact on rehab, where some mm -hmm. providers stopped all rehab in their in their facilities because they didn't want you know a, a, a therapist to be going from patient to patient. So they didn't want any chance that the disease would be spread throughout the facility. And so, you know, that also, it didn't have an impact as much on revenue as it did on operations, where now we're looking at, is that patient a little bit better now so that we can get them on a rehab program and get them to their goal now that they're COVID-free? You know, what did they intentionally come here for? Right. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and then the, the patients that came in with a diagnosis of COVID, which was the primary reason they were coming for care, mapped into the medical management category where previously, you know, we've seen patients that maybe were coming in for, you know, post-orthopedic surgery, you know, a replacement, a fracture, um, you know, some other types of conditions. And elective surgeries were not happening in the hospital, so that population was also reduced. Um, and so the clinical categories were probably presenting lower under the PT and OT component than they would normally without a pandemic. And the nursing component was probably overstated during the pandemic. So readjusting those two components to what's considered to be normal uh, moving forward, uh, you know, may take some time. Absolutely. It, it seems like there's, you know, there's a real shift in the past year. Um, and then there's the question of, well, when does it quote unquote, go back to our normal, what we can expect revenue wise, um, how long might that take? Will it ever be quite the same? Um, you know, all these things for nursing homes to be aware of. Um, what do you think the next steps are for nursing homes? Is there anything that they need to do? And, and how long will this kind of uh, shift, you know, happen, you know, going from quote unquote, COVID circumstances to maybe not COVID circumstances? Well, I think that it's it's going to take us a while. The first thing is that we have to um, look at when it's no longer a public health emergency, mm -hmm. right? because we're able to take you know patients into the facilities now without a three day qualifying stay. So you may have some Medicare coverage right now that you wouldn't have in normal circumstances. Right, right. So I think as we move forward, as components that are in place now get moved away, we'll see a little bit more. The other thing that's going to impact us is that some facilities are closing during this because one, uh, reduced revenues and they just cannot function. Um, you know, they can't find this, you know, can't find the staff or people are leaving. We had a, we had a significant, <laughs> um, you know, amount of people who were leaving still, mm. uh, you know, during the pandemic as well. So the, again, it'll take us a little bit of a little while to get back to what we used to consider normal. And if we even get back there again, we'll, you know, we'll be something to consider. I think the infection control survey is here to stay. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that will be a focus moving forward because I think this may not be the only virus that we'll be seeing. I think that how we handle even just the flu, 
um, you know, will be seen as an infection control opportunity. And I think the, the, the preventionists that folks had to have in place, and it was ironic that November 28, 2019 was the deadline to have an infection preventionist. And then boom, here comes the pandemic the next quarter. They didn't even really have a chance to, you know, come into their own skills and learn about what infection prevention is. We always controlled infection. Now we're looking at preventing infection. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, you know, the way nursing homes look at infection prevention, as you just said, I don't, it'll never be the same, just like in many uh, areas of life, right? Correct. And I think that role will always, you know, perhaps be seen with a little bit more importance these days. I agree. I agree. So, um, thank you so much, Maureen. And just wrapping up, is there anything, there's a lot to be aware of and, you know, to, to think about, is there anything that nursing homes really need to be doing at this point? Um, in terms of kind of protecting themselves, uh, revenue or otherwise? Yes, Tammy. What I think is that they really need to start looking at um, their systems that they have during COVID and, and um, protecting or defending the decisions that they need to that they made to cover patients versus not cover patients. You know, now's the time where the auditing will come after the fact. Um, and so whether it's through your MAC, your Medicare administrative contractor, or whether it's through a RAC, a revenue uh, a recovery audit contractor, um, you know, getting your medical records in shape for medical reviews, I think is probably something that providers really need to start putting eyes on uh, to make sure that they have all their I's dotted and their T's crossed so that as medical records are being requested, um, they have the proof um, to be able to defend their decisions moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Maureen. Um, this is very helpful. And thank you for joining us today on our podcast. And I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in as well. And as always, be sure to check out postacuteadvisor.blr.com for all our upcoming podcasts. So we'll see thank you all next time. Thanks, Maureen. Thank you, Tammy. Have a great day. You too.